Welcome back to the Such Things podcast, where we talk about whatever is true, noble, and right. Um, Well, I told you at the end of last time we were going to move on to a series on prayer, and we are, we will, I promise, next time, next episode. It's coming. It's already recorded. Um, It's coming out right away. But right now, we felt compelled to talk about marriage. Uh, Over the weekend, we shared um, a lesson, a talk for the New England uh, virtual marriage retreat, and specifically talking to uh, folks who were more newly married over the past few years. And, um, and, And we actually shared a lot of the things from Genesis that we've covered in our first two podcasts. And we talk about Adam and Eve. And so we thought, well, before we move on to prayer, let's stick in Genesis a little longer and let's share about marriage, things we've learned from marriage and things we can learn from Adam and Eve. Uh, Lisa, you want to tell them a little bit about us first? Sure. Um, Well, David and I have been married for 17 years and we have three kids. We have a 13-year-old son, a 11-year-old daughter, and a nine-year-old son. And... um, we actually uh, got, we met back in 2002 when I was living in New York still. I was born and raised in New York, and David was living in uh, Athens, Georgia, going to school. I'm a few years older than David, so I was already done with college and um, working in the ministry full time up in New York. And uh, we met at a church conference um, and we met very briefly. We were introduced by a mutual friend um, just in the lobby of the hotel uh, that we were staying at. And David um, asked me out on a date on the spot um, for, I think, the next night or something. <laughs> or, no, that night. Yeah. <laughs> I asked if we could have dinner. Yeah, that's kind of how these things coffee. work at these I think I conferences. Asked for all three. Yeah, you're only in 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 town for a short time. So, um, but I actually had a couple dates that night. Several little, dates. I had, a, I had a, a dinner date and a dessert date. Um, <laughs> so that was sort of it. David didn't get my number, and boom, it was done. Like five minutes, and um, but then through a mutual friend, we uh, connected again because I needed to find out the name of a song that they did at the conference, and somehow David. David heard that I called this mutual friend and said, let me be the one to help help her (laughs) find the song. So David calls me back and said, hey, I'm your guy to help you find this song. I didn't remember who I was talking to. It was a song that some of my friends had performed at the retreat. Yes, yes. And so, you know, I graciously volunteered to help coordinate getting you the music, the CD, and the chords, and the lyrics, and... You know, it required multiple phone calls over the course of several weeks. And little getting to know you conversations right. on the phone every time we talked. It and worked. it did work because I was like, wow, this this guy's really like, you know, he really cares about my life. He's really interested. Like he's I like talking to him on the phone. Um, I didn't really even remember who he was a whole lot. Like he said we met in the lobby, but it was very brief. Um, but I really enjoyed getting to know him over the phone. And then uh and then he asked me. Um, after you know, he sent me the song. He sent a, a CD. If those of you um, you know 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 what a CD is, he sent me one of those in the mail uh, with lyrics and. And then he asked me if I was going to be coming down to a mutual friend's wedding. And uh, I decided not to go to the wedding um, because I just, 
I, I didn't want to be chasing after a boy down in Georgia, so I didn't go. And uh, and so then David had to come up with another excuse to try to see me. So he made plans to go visit a friend of his in New Jersey uh, when over there fall break. And uh, while visiting this friend, he figured he'd he'd take me out. So that's what he did. He took me out. He took Broadway me to a Broadway show. show. He yes. took me to a fancy dinner in Manhattan. Yeah, right. Um, and really, after that date, I was gone. I mean, I knew this was this was the man for me. Um, it, it, it and it all happened pretty quickly. Actually, I yeah. moved down to Georgia a few months later. Um, we started dating. Um. And I was about to graduate. David was about to graduate. Um, and right after his graduation, we got engaged um, that summer. So we only dated about five months, five got engaged, months later, and then five months later, got we got married. Um, so, yep. you know, David and I did not date for very long. And a lot of times couples work out a lot of conflict in their dating relationship. But because David and I had such a quick dating relationship, we worked out a lot of our conflict in the first couple of years of our marriage. And mm -hmm. uh, that's what we really want to share about today. There's a lot of other things that we've learned <laughs> in the last 17 years, um, especially, uh, you know, adjusting to having children and that dynamic and how it changes your marriage. But we're not going to get into a lot of that today. We're going to specifically specifically talk to some struggles that newly married people go through. Yeah. Yeah. In your, in your earlier years. So I want to review for a moment, you know, we talked in, um, in our first episode uh, from Genesis chapter one, seven times it says, God saw that it was good as he was creating over those seven days. I'm looking here in Genesis one, I won't go back through it all, but Seven times, God saw that it was good, it was good, and then finally it was very good, this creation that God made. And you can go back and listen to our first episode, but I, I wanted to remind you of that before we get to Adam and Eve here, because we must not forget in marriage, our life in God together is so good. God has been so good to us. He's brought us together. We get, you know, we get to enjoy God and enjoy life together as a married couple. Um, don't forget that. Get away from God and His goodness in your life and in your marriage, and you can just watch your life and your marriage go real bad, real quick. But remember what it said in Genesis two eighteen. It is not good for the man to be alone. For the first time, something was not good. And we covered that in our second episode. So you can go back and listen to more. And we learned here that, that man and woman, humanity, we are built in the image of God for relationship. It's not good to be alone. And this is before the fall of man, before the forbidden fruit and all that. It, it, something wasn't good being alone. And so remember, husbands, wives, like Adam and Eve, your spouse is God's gift to you. You don't have to be alone anymore. And we need to be thankful for that, for this person that makes yeah. us not alone. Mm -hmm. And then it says in Genesis 2, the last verse of that chapter, 
Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Naked with no shame. I don't think there's just a sexual meaning intended here. I think it's more. I think it's the idea that that with this woman here sitting next to me, I can be totally me with her. This person you're married to, you can be totally you with them. That's what it means to not be alone. You are with them, heart and soul, better or worse, the good, bad, and the ugly, naked with no shame. Now, I do have to say, I do have to laugh at like the part of the story where God brought out all the animals and showed all the animals to Adam, like, would this be a good partner? How about this bear? How about this platypus? And Adam's like, no. And then, of course, God rolls out this naked woman. And he's like, how about this? And Adam's like, bingo. That's the one. That is my partner right there. I like that. Um, But anyway, I digress. Um, It says in... In Genesis 1... Cracking yourself up there. I know. Uh, comparing a naked woman to a platypus. It's just no comparison. Um, sorry. Genesis 1 verse 27 says, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. When you fell in love with your spouse... You saw something of the image of God in them, and it drew you. It attracted you. She was very good. He was very good, and they still are. Don't you forget that. It's good. She's good. He's good. Are we sinners? Yes, we are, but but we belong to one another. When I saw Lisa in that hotel lobby, I saw some of the image of God. And as I got to know her over the phone, long distance, I saw this girl that that I just, I fell in love with. What you see is what you get. She was so real, so honest, so vulnerable, godly, and yes, beautiful, outside and in. But Genesis 3, who shows up? The serpent, right? The serpent wants to slither into our gardens, our marriages, like he did in Genesis 3. He wants us to believe what we talked about, I believe, in the last podcast. He wants us to believe that God is holding out on us and that we need more. You know, God's goodness is always opposed, and our marriages are certainly opposed. And the serpent's game is still the same as it was in the beginning, right? Make us discontented and disconnected and then covered in shame. You can go read Genesis 3, listen to the last podcast. We discussed that a little bit more, a lot more to say. But what do we do with the devil, the serpent? James chapter 4, verse 7 tells us, resist the devil and he will flee. So we resist him and he flees. And then we got to get on the def- on the offensive Don't just constantly react to problems in your marriage. Go build a great one. And so we're going to talk about some some practicals here. But something I shared, I think, in the first podcast, and I want to reiterate it in our marriages. If you take one 
simple, practical step from this entire session. Just do this for me. All right, it's springtime. God is good. His creation is good. It's beautiful outside right now. Marriage is good. So get outside with your spouse and consume some of God's goodness together. Drink in beauty. Go for a walk together. Hold hands. Take in the sunshine. Admire the spring flowers. Laugh together. Take a prayer walk together. Make out on a park bench when you're done praying. Remember God's goodness in your married life. Yesterday, we just got to go and get some lunch and then take a walk around one of our favorite places and flowers were blooming and we just talked and we said a prayer together. We sat on a bench together and we didn't make out on the bench. <laughs> got it. We got to remedy that. Um, but anyway, it's so easy, as I shared in earlier podcasts, it's so easy to let our life and our home and our marriages take on an it's bad tone rather than an it's good tone. So some of us need to make a decision. Stop allowing negativity and grumpiness to dominate our family life, our marital life, our home life. Now, let's talk about conflict in marriage. Genesis chapter 2 in verse 18, right there where it says it's not good for man to be alone, it says something else. I will make a helper suitable for him. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now, that's an interesting phrase in the Hebrew, and neither of us are Hebrew scholars, but the, the phrase is, is Ezer Konegdo, and I'm sure I'm not pronouncing it right, but those, that's the Hebrew phrase for the suitable helper. Ezer means helper. Konegdo means to come against. So literally, the Hebrew phrase means the helper who comes against. The way Marty Solomon in, in the Bema podcast describes this is, imagine taking two pieces of wood, two two-by-fours, and leaning them together. And as you lean them together, they can stand up, kind of like a teepee, right? And the way they help support each other is by coming against each other. Pull one out, and the other falls. So the Ezer Konegdo, the Ezer Konegdo, she who, the helper who comes against. <laughs> the way marriage works, the, we support each other by coming against each other. That's an interesting concept, and, and we could dwell on that a lot longer than we're about to. But look, suffice it to say, it seems there's going to be some conflict in marriage. That's par for the course. That's part, that's, you, we've got two people coming together who are, who have, Two very different ways of processing and living life. And that's what we want to talk about for the rest of our time together today. So, Lisa, do you want to share about some of the conflicts that we worked through, particularly in our earlier days, uh, a lot of insensitivity and insecurity that we had to work through together? Yeah, I think, um, you know, some couples don't seem to have a lot of conflict, but right. I really think 
every marriage has conflicts, yep. but people in their different personalities have different ways of dealing. Right. Um, and David and I are definitely a couple that has conflict in our marriage um, mm. quite frequently. And uh, we're not we're not shy to talk about it. And I feel like <laughs> it's important to talk about it because it helps people. Um, you know, some couples have a blissful first year or two of marriage. Right. And uh, we did in some ways, but in other ways, it was really hard. We argued a lot. I cried a lot. Um, and many of the arguments that we had during those first few years were, were based by me. No. <laughs> no. Well, they were based on my insecurities and how David either triggered or responded to my insecurities. Right. And I think that for some women, um, some insecurities may go back to this curse in Genesis 3 that happens. Um, and I'm not going to get into that a whole lot, but uh, the to the, podcast, the curse, maybe. yes. Um, to the, it says in Genesis 3.16, to the woman, he said, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Mm. And then to Adam, he said, cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. Um, the the For the woman... Um, her desire was to be for her husband, while the husband's desire was for work. Interesting. And there's a there's a conflict there. Um, yeah. My security is wrapped up um, somewhat in what my husband thinks and feels about me. And my husband's security is more wrapped up in what he accomplishes through his work. Mm-hmm. Um so therefore, I'm always trying to please my husband, and he's always trying to prove himself in his yeah. job. So there's going to be some insecurities that come up with that. Sure. But I will say that my insecurities started um, well before I was married. Let me just add also real quick, men struggle with insecurity too. I certainly do. And in some marriages, these kind of you know roles and feelings are a bit more reversed. We're not trying to break this down into an exact science or study of of gender roles. We're sharing from our life and our study of the scriptures, things that we've learned. So go ahead, babe. I struggle with insecurity um, in in a major way. And I actually am going to record some podcasts uh, about Mm -hmm. this in the near future. I have some material that I've shared in other places and I'm I'll record them here and we'll get them out to you. But um, I struggle with being insecure about the way I look. I always have and I still do. Um, So when I got married, I had given myself wholly to this man. And lots of my insecurities were exposed. I I needed David to tell me many times a day that he loved me, that he thought I was beautiful, that he was attracted to me, and that he wanted to spend time with me. If he didn't express these things often enough to me, I felt insecure as a young woman. What I realized I did because of my insecurities was I would make up stories in my head of what David might be thinking about me that were totally untrue and weren't based on anything real that actually happened. Like I would get insecure that maybe he thought other women were prettier than me. If I, if I saw a woman that looked really beautiful in her dress or had a really awesome outfit on, I would get insecure and think that maybe David wished he married her. Um, if David didn't compliment me on an outfit I had on, that would, in my head, would think that it would make me think that he didn't like the way I looked in it or that he thought I was fat. Um, if he ever suggested that we do something physical together, like work out, I would think that he thought I was fat and he wasn't happy with the way I looked. 
Um, now I will say, uh, husbands, if your wife is insecure about her body at all, do not suggest she go to the gym and work out. She doesn't want your solution to her problem. That solution <laughs> only confirms her biggest fear that you aren't happy with the way she looks. What she needs in that moment is encouragement from you that you think she is beautiful the way she is. Amen. But I could say a lot more on that and I won't. Um, another area that I got insecure about was that David had dated another girl before me for a couple of years. Oh, yeah. And um I tell that story. And early on I used to get insecure that maybe he was still in love with her or wished he had married her instead, even though we had many conversations and he assured me this wasn't the case. But there was one time that David had gone out of town for um some Bible ministry some ministry training. He was gone for about a week. Yeah. And um we were it was when in our first year of marriage. And while he was gone, I was cleaning out the house and I found a box of pictures. And it was like this whole date. He had taken a whole roll of film on this date with his ex-girlfriend. They were dressed up in these cute little costumes, like for, it might have been Halloween or something. Yeah, I don't wear cute costumes. I don't know what this I don't know. It was like a 50s date or something. Okay, you were dead, right. you know, anyway. Yeah. And um, they're like, holding hands. There's one picture where he's kissing her forehead oh and there are all these little like cutesy boyfriend girlfriend pictures. And here I'm like finding this. He's out of town. I can't talk to him and I'm like it's true. He's still in love with her. He's secretly been keeping this box underneath our bed and he doesn't want to get rid of it because he wants to hang on to this last piece of her that he has. <laughs> and, I mean, as I'm looking at the pictures, the tears are pouring from my eyes and I'm filled with hurt and rage. And I'm like, I'm so, I feel so betrayed. Um, you know, and really I had it all planned out that, you know, when he came home, I was going to, as soon as he opened the door, I was going to be standing there with the box of pictures like, aha, I found out your little secret. And then I was going to throw the box of, of pictures at him and hit him with it as he walked in the door. Thankfully, I got some advice about that and decided I would not bring this up to him in that way. Um, and uh, we talked about it, and he was like, I didn't even know that box existed. Um, yeah, you could definitely burn it if you want to, and, you know, that was done. Um, but after that happened, what I learned is that I had to ask myself, did David do or say something to actually make me right. insecure? Or am I just feeling insecure because of my own stuff? I couldn't blame David for making me insecure if he hadn't actually done something to make me feel insecure. Wives, if you were insecure about your body and your looks, or how your husband feels about you, or if he really loves you, there may be some things that he could do to help. Yes, but first, I'll share about that. Yes. But first, you've got to ask yourself if your husband is the source of your insecurity, or are these things in your own head? For me, these things were in my own head before I ever married David, and I needed to go to God to fix it, not to David. I needed to go to God for my confidence first. It will put too much pressure on your husband to fix all your insecurities. He can tell you that you are beautiful until he's blue in the face, but if you don't believe it, it will never help. So you need to go to God first. David can tell, can say all the right stuff 
to me sometimes, but it sometimes it's just not enough. And I don't believe him. And honestly, that's really hard for him when he's trying to encourage me and I tell him I don't believe him. And that's my issue. It's not his. Now, unless your husband has given you a reason, now that's a different story. If your husband has sinned against you, if he's looked at pornography, if he's lusted after other women, if he's cheated on you, if you were not pure before you were married, then yes, there is lots of repair work that needs to be done. Trust has been broken and needs to be mended. And it can be. And it can be. But we don't have time to get into all of that today. Right. Um, if that is where you are at in your marriage, get with another couple yes. who can help you mend what has been damaged or get counseling. Amen. But if your spouse has been faithful to you, as my husband was, then I can't put pressure on him to take the place of God as my security. Amen. Yes, I need him to be verbally encouraging to me and affectionate, but I couldn't make my confidence depend on David. David, I don't know if you want to share some about sure. how insensitivity can ignite some of those insecurities. Yes, yes. Oh, boy. I remember how um, independent and insensitive I was at times. I I remember, like, dumb things. Um, I, I wanted to be able to go places without feeling like Lisa was tracking me. And what's funny is, like, <laughs> I wasn't going anywhere secret. Like, I'd want to, like, go out and spend a morning with God, like re having a quiet, I was a preacher. I wanted to like go away and pray and read my Bible out. And I like to disappear in the middle of the wilderness sometimes. And I was like, I don't want to tell Lisa where I am. I'm, I'm my own man. I would just text it's him so like, stupid. hey, where are you? Or I'd, I'd be call like, and be like, hey, what you doing? And I'd be like, I'm going to turn like my phone annoyed. off. <laughs> and it's so dumb. <laughs> but like, I, you know, I was independent. I Oftentimes I didn't want to go to bed when she did. I was like hanging out doing some work on the computer or just watching something. And and she'd be like, hey, let's go to bed together. It meant a lot to her to go to bed together and, and for me and to like be chat, in. chat, you know, yeah, yeah, chat about absolutely. our day. Um, <laughs> oftentimes I would want to keep working through dinner. You'd, you'd make dinner, you're, you're, you know, your great new bride and make me some dinner. And I'd be like trying to keep on working or it was supposed to be date night. And I'd be like, oh, oh give me just 30 more minutes. You know, I'm doing some work. <laughs> And I just was out to lunch and I wanted her to listen to me oftentimes, but then I didn't want to hear her out without interrupting or getting distracted or frustrated. And that's still something that she reminds me of. I, I, I have to be sensitive and tuned in, not, not just aloof. Um, but I, I want to share some Proverbs here from the book of Proverbs, um, some concepts and strategies from the book of Proverbs in the Bible that I specifically had to learn to work through conflicts that arose from mm. times like this. So the first one, and this kind of sets the tone, Proverbs 20, verse 5, it says, The purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. You know, you have to do the work to work through these issues, these deep waters. Um, remember, was it Lady Gaga, the shallows, the sha-la-la-la-la-la-la-la? Yeah. 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 You want to sing it? No? That's okay. Um, I can't. I can't. God, we're out of the shallows yeah. now. Thanks, Lady Gaga. <laughs> she knows. She knows a lot about marriage counseling. <laughs> no, but we're out of the shallows. We're in the deep waters here. You got to do the work to get to the bottom of these issues. We're out of the we're out of the, the the kiddie pool. We're getting into the deep end. Some of us, you know, 
we're lazy and immature people need not apply for building a good marriage. I quickly learned that resolving conflict is not for the faint of heart. Mm. Now, remember what Lisa said earlier. Some of us are quick to explode and we have a lot of conflict. Others are stuffers mm. and we don't have a lot of conflict on the surface, but the volcano will erupt someday yeah. if we don't get to the bottom of the issues. And those of us who are exploders, we'll just keep exploding until we just throw in the towel eventually. Because who can just deal with conflict all the time? We got to learn to do the work, to be that man or woman of insight, to draw our partner out. So many late nights, especially in those early years, sitting on the couch, working things through, it was exhausting. Um, and, and not just for me, I mean, for both of us, we had our stuff that we had our feelings and we get angry and we didn't know why we were so angry and how, why don't you know why I'm mad right now? But I'm so glad that, that personally that I, I had to fight through that and not give up to be what I needed to be for this woman. God was helping me to learn to become one who has insight. And you know, it, it really is easier now, wouldn't you say, babe? Yeah. Not that we don't, I mean, we still have conflicts. We did the work of resolving conflict early on, so now it usually does go much faster. We work through yeah. it. Um, a couple more Proverbs for you, though. Proverbs eighteen thirteen: To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. Answering before we listen. We think so many times I just want to just jump in and tell Lisa what I think and then I need to listen. Another one, Proverbs 18 verse 2, fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. Mm. Yikes. Oh man, I had to study mm. these Proverbs over and over as a new husband because I was I, I wanted to just convince her of my opinion. Why am I right? But that's not I need to understand her first. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 11. Fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. I, I'm, I, I'm learning, I'm trying to learn to be a wise man, to be calm. Last proverb I want to read, and this is, this is where we're trying to get to. Proverbs 16, 24. Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. I want my words to bring healing. One of my early mentors uh, was J.P. Tynes. J.P. and Pat Tynes, they discipled us, mentored us in ministry and in marriage in our early, uh, earlier years. And J.P. taught me this. You know you're done with a, a working out a conflict in marriage when you can tell the other person, when I can tell Lisa why she's upset and she agrees with what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can say, okay, wait a second. So this is why you're upset? This is what I did? This is... And she says, yes, that's it. Mm. Until I can do that, I don't yet under... I don't have that understanding that the Proverbs talk about. We're not resolved until we both feel heard, acknowledged, understood by the other, and apologies have been made. And getting to that point, especially in those early years of marriage, oh, it can it can take a lot. 
Yeah. Pro tip, something I've learned and, and tried to do more the past couple years. It's simply this, and I know it's cliche, guys, prayer. Oftentimes it takes stopping in the middle of the argument yeah. when it feels like we're stuck, we're not understanding, you don't get it, we're not getting anywhere. One of us lately has just said, okay, you know what, time out. I'm just going to say a prayer right now. And because when you're stuck, it's probably because of pride from one or both parties. Mm, and emotions too. <laughs> and, and emotion, yeah. 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 Amen. And there's nothing that fixes that pride faster than stopping to pray because it brings God into the problem. It brings dad into the argument. It's like, oh. Yeah. And so literally, this is how the prayers have gone lately. When we're in the middle of a conflict and we're not resolving, I'll be like, okay, all right, you know what, I, babe, I'm going to pray right now. And sometimes she'll say, and it's like, one of us is like, I don't want to pray. What, you think you're more spiritual than me? You know, what's wrong with you? Well, sometimes I'm so emotional, it's hard to stop and, and yes. pray. But honestly, it's exactly what I need because yeah. we sort of escalated the conflict to the point where we're so emotional. Yep. Our emotions are clouding our our judgment and even us being able to hear and see what the other person is trying to say. Yes. So, so this that is prayer how really helps the, a lot. This is how some of the prayers have gone. I'll be like, all right, God. We're really, really frustrated right now. I'm super frustrated and feeling angry. Um, I feel like we're not understanding each other. Please help us, God. Please give us insight. Please give us calm. Please give us understanding. God, we love each other. We love you. We need your help right now. In Jesus' name I pray. We invite you here right now, Jesus. Amen. And that's like that's it. And it's like, and usually right after that. We don't necessarily resolve it. Sometimes it's like, okay, you know, we just need to go to bed. Yeah. And we agree. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Sometimes these kind of conversations happen late at night and we have learned. Yep. Maybe we need to sleep on it and talk about it in the morning. We can get to a place where we're not, you know, enraged and we can calm down and, and sleep. Yes. But we realize like we're both too tired to yeah. think rationally. Yeah. And um, if you cannot resolve the problem or it's like, you know, a day, two days go by, three days and you're, that's not good. The Bible says, don't let the yeah. sun go down when you're angry. You don't want many moons, many suns to go down. Or if a problem is recurring, like week in and week out for weeks, you know, weeks at a time, call in reinforcements, yes. get help. There's no shame mm -hmm. in that. I remember we had like a leadership group in our church. It was some of our best friends. And we got together for like, what was supposed to be a leaders meeting at one of their houses one night. And we, we came in and we had been arguing the same problem over and over for weeks. And we came into that meeting and we just said, okay, guys, sorry for tonight's meeting. Y'all just got to help us. <laughs> like we, mm -hmm. we keep having this same argument. And probably, I think it was probably Lisa that was like, we need help. And I was like, fine. <laughs> I was, you know, prideful. And they did. We just shared what we've been wrestling with. And they all went around and they, they helped us and they encouraged us. And they're like, yeah, we've, we've seen you guys have that fight. And, and, and they encouraged us. Um, but Lisa, any last thoughts on resolving these these conflicts? Yeah. There's a lot more to say on this stuff. Yeah. I think one of the biggest challenges for me in resolving conflict has been um, learning, learning to listen, um, but also having the need to be heard and learning to communicate respectfully mm -hmm. to my husband while flying off the – without flying off the handle <laughs> um, when I'm emotional. 
When I'm upset or angry, my emotions can get the best of me. And I want to express my thoughts and feelings, but I'm not always ready to hear and listen to what David has to say. Um, as a young married woman, I can remember listening to David talk, but meanwhile kind of repair, preparing a rebuttal in my head as he spoke. So I wasn't really listening or hearing what he was trying to communicate. I just wanted to get my point across. Um, likewise, there would be many times when David would do something that hurt my feelings. But instead of telling him in a humble and respectful way so that he could hear it, I would just blurt out something passive aggressive or angrily raise my voice and tell David how he hurt me. And then this would result in another layer of conflict um, where I, you know, it started out with me being the one who initially was hurt, but then out of my hurt, I hurt David with a disrespectful tone when I tried to tell him that my feelings were hurt. Um, so it was like a double conflict rather than me calmly, rationally explaining how I've been hurt and yep. uh, one and done. So many of our earlier conflicts were like this. Um, and it would take both of us a while to come around and see what the other was trying to express. Yeah. Um, now to me, in my mind, well, I ex- how I expressed my hurt shouldn't matter. Um, I just wanted to, da- to David to see how he hurt me. And the reason I'm angry is because he hurt me. So if it comes out bad, it comes out bad. Um, but what I realized is he couldn't get past how disrespectful I was in communicating my hurt in order to actually listen to what the hurt was. Like he couldn't listen when I was being disrespectful. Um, and it's never okay to be disrespectful anyway. Um, so once no, we could I work through that. And, and, and angered. Right, right. Um, even if I was just trying to explain how he hurt me, it, it didn't matter. I still needed to do, to do it in the right way. Once we could work through that, um, and I would finally apologize for communicating my hurt feelings in an angry and disrespectful way, then David was usually able to hear me out. Um, and I will say, for the husbands, I needed him to hear me out. Yeah. Um, because usually if I lashed out at David, it wasn't for no reason. There was something deep going on that I was feeling, but I just hadn't expressed it yet until it was triggered and I could finally figure out what was going on, like what I was feeling. So I needed him to listen and hear me out. Um, and this was hard for David, but he has really grown in this, um, and I would get even more hurt if when I was trying to tell him what I was feeling and how I was hurt, if I thought he wasn't really listening. Like if he's looking at his phone or if he's yawn or seems tired or bored or <laughs> has a far off look in his eyes like, you know, he's not really listening. Um, wives do have a need to feel heard and husbands do too. We just need to listen to each other. Um, but I will say your spouse will have a hard time listening to you if you are communicating in a disrespectful or overly angry way. And this is hard for me. It, it, it's still hard for me. If my feelings are hurt, um, it's hard to not lash out in anger or raise my voice. And I will say anger itself isn't always a sin. It's it's a real emotion we feel. The right. scripture says in your anger do not sin. God knows we will feel angry. And I can feel angry with my husband for something but not sin against him in that mm-hmm. anger. 
um, the sinful part of anger is saying something that is hurtful, hurtful or disrespectful or damaging um, towards my husband or lashing out physically, like throwing something or hitting them. Thankfully, that's not something I've ever done. Um, I never did actually throw those pictures. I'm glad I never did that. Um, but what I've learned, <laughs> yes, and David's, David's never done those things either. But, um, you know, if you have... You know that it, it does happen, and we we've got to f- have some techniques that we can that we can put into practice to control our anger. What I've learned is that I need to give myself a timeout and to calm down before discussing how I feel. I need to walk away, go and pray, and sort out what I want to say. Yeah. And I did not mean for that to rhyme. I just wrote that down, hey, and it happened to be that. a rhyme. I think I sang a little Daniel Tiger song in the last. Time we did this, it's like a walk away, go and pray, sort out what you want to say. That's, you know, that's the mom and me coming up with little ditties for my children. (laughs) Anyway, um, oh, the crazy is coming out. Um, I calm down. If I go and pray and walk away, I will calm down and then I find a way to express my hurt um, or even my anger in a way that is loving and respectful and not hurtful. Yeah. I'm working on this. I don't do not have this down, but I am working on it. This kind of communication helps David to be able to listen to me and hear me better. And then I have to remember to be gracious with him. Amen. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Amen. I um I'm so grateful that um we've we've worked it out. We fought it out. Um you know, husbands or wives, whoever this helps, if the shoe fits, there's been times where I'm like, I feel so frustrated in the moment. Like, what is she saying? She's wrong. I don't get it. But I've, I've tried to take the humble route at times, you know, and say, hey, okay, I don't think I'm fully understanding what you're saying right now. But I promise you this, tomorrow, I will go pray about it. I will ask God about it. I, I will, I will put some thought and prayer into it. And then we've come back, we've done the hard work, we've gone to the deep waters, we've helped draw each other out, share all the thoughts, all the feelings, get it all out, and then apologies are made. Mm-hmm. And we do. Yeah. We apologize um, humbly to one another. And I'm so grateful. I'm grateful for this woman drawing me out um, over the years. Closing out, the Bible says in Genesis 3, verse 6, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Where was Adam when Eve took the fruit? You know, I don't know. Somehow he, <clears throat> Eve's always gotten a bad rap. <clears throat> Excuse me. It says he was there or nearby, apparently. Mm. Why did he not come to her aid? Why weren't they a team getting the serpent out of their garden together? I have to be think they would have been better fighting him together. And I just want to say, husbands, don't leave your wives to fight the serpent alone, to fight the spiritual battles for your family alone, to always be the one to 
that's nagging you to, to, hey, let's work through these conflicts. Let's get counseling. Let's get help. Partner with her to fight to keep your marriage and your home a haven for God and his goodness. Get on the offensive. Build a godly, happy home now before the kids come if they haven't yet. Um, and enjoy that harvest for years to come. Your Garden of Eden. Um, that's all I got. Lisa, you got anything else? I think we're done. We're so much done. more we could say on yes. this. But I mean, done isn't done for this podcast. Done for yes, now. there's a lot more that could be said. And and we, you know, we don't have all the answers. Nope. We just we just like to share our own struggles and maybe those listening can relate. So hopefully it's helpful. Yeah. Uh, maybe in the future, some more talking about marriage and sharing from our marriage. Yeah. But I do promise next time, podcast on prayer. Thanks for listening. See you next time on the Such Things Podcast. the Lord today, for He is all my hope and stay. Our God is good, His name is great, hallelujah.